Hey everybody, this is Pastor Chad. Today is Sunday, May 22nd, 2022. Welcome to The Way Radio Live, The Way R122 Ministry Live. The title of today's message is, While You Have the Light, Believe in the Light. And it's based on John, 27, uh, John 12, 27 through 36. So let's pray and we will get right into today's message. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity uh, each Sunday to gather online uh, to learn of your word, to learn of you, uh, to meditate on your word. And Lord, I just ask that you would bless this message as it goes out today, that it would uh, strengthen, encourage, and comfort believers. And for those that may be still wandering in the darkness of this world, Lord, Lord that you would uh, open their eyes in their ears, in their hearts, and their minds, and their spirits to the truth of who you are and the truth to the message of the gospel. Uh, we just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so John 12, 27 through 36, while you have the light, believe in the light. Uh, and first of all, I've, I've preached through the whole book of John. I spent, I think it was about three years preaching through it. That was three or four years ago. Uh, but one of the reasons the book of John is so beautiful is because in so much of it, Jesus himself is teaching us who he is and explaining God's plan of salvation through the work that he came to do. And, you know, when people are new believers or they're asking me, you know, what I recommend is the best way to read through the Bible, I often recommend reading the book of John first because you come to know Christ through it uh, and then maybe proceeding to something deep, you know, a deep doctrinal theological book like Romans where you start putting the nuts and bolts of what Jesus lays down in John and you start to see it in more of a, a systematic theological doctrinal viewpoint uh, in a book like Romans. But John, I just love and I read it constantly or refer to it constantly because it is just such a, a beautiful book. And I believe it is probably the most effective book we have if we really just want to understand who Jesus is, why he came, what he came to do, and to really get a grasp and an overall picture of the message of the gospel. And all the major doctrines of the gospel are laid out in the book of John. So it is just a, an awesome book. We read the word of God in order to know who God is. And we can only know and see God by coming to see and know Jesus Christ, who is the word of God. John 1, uh, verses 1 through 5, and then verse 14 say, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness is not overcome. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the living and active word of God. Let's begin by looking at John 12, uh, verse 27. And Christ says, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. And we know what he's talking about. He's very close 
to being arrested, put on trial, and, and suffering execution for the sins of those he came to save. And when Jesus says this, he knew very well what lay ahead of him. He understood that he was soon to experience pain and suffering, both physically and spiritually, that is far beyond our human capacity to comprehend. The sins of those he came to save were to be cast upon him. He was soon to bear and suffer the penalty that was our penalty to bear and suffer. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Christ had exclaimed, or Christ exclaimed Matthew, in Matthew 26, 38, then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. Christ's humanity at that time was faced with the cross. His spirit was faced with the sin of those he came to save. And the wrath of the Father poured out on him. The perfect sinless one who became sin and bore its penalty for our salvation. He was to be our reconciliation to the Father. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. But he says, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. Jesus, God incarnate, the second person of the Trinity, struggled between the work he came to do, to suffer and die for us, and the dread his human nature endured because of that work. Hebrews 12.2 says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Christ was not forced and drugged to the cross. He went to the cross by his own volition and power in humble obedience to the Father's will. Jesus could have stopped the trial, the torture, the crucifixion at any time. At his arrest in Matthew 26, 53, and 54, we read that he said, do you think that I came to appeal to my, do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will send me than 12 legions of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? Every aspect of his trial, torture, and crucifixion was ordained by the father and according to his will. Isaiah 53, 10 says, yes, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He was in control of every aspect of what was taking place during his trial, his torture, his crucifixion, his death, and his resurrection. He says, but for this purpose, I came to this hour, the culmination of Jesus's life and ministry. This is the event that all of creation and history centers on, revolves around, and is based on. Ephesians 1, 7 through 12 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. 
In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. If you really want to understand the world around you, if you want to consider creation, the universe, why are things like they are? The only way to truly figure everything out is to look at it and study it and consider it with Jesus Christ as the focal point. Again, the center of it all, the great singularity from which everything exists. When you start looking at things that way, you will begin to truly understand clearly everything. We see here a picture of the power of the Spirit overcoming the weakness of the flesh. Jesus' entire physical incarnation was led by the Spirit. The flesh was in submission to the Spirit and was powerless over it. Jesus constantly sought communion with the Father in prayer. When he tempted, he relied on the power of the Word. He replied over and over again when he was tempted by Satan in the desert, when he was at his weakest point, it is written. He says, save me from this hour as a fleshly response, but it is set aside by, but for this purpose, I came to this hour. And there is a powerful lesson there for us in Christian living. Quite often, our first thought when faced with danger, temptation, fear, etc., is our flesh. Our second thought is a voice from the Lord, from his word. Wisdom is in the second voice. We need to strive to be conformed to the image of Christ. Romans 13, 14 says, But on the Lord Jesus Christ and make, and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. You know, what I mean by is the second voice is I think anybody that's been a Christian for any amount of time will tell you when you're faced with a sudden uh, danger or something that might assault you or anger you, I can tell you from my personal experience, my first response is usually fleshly, anger, I'm insulted, I may want to get even. But then you hear that second voice. It's the Holy Spirit calming you down and saying, no, let's, let's deal with it this way. Let's do it this way. That's what I'm talking about here. In verse 28, John 12, 28. He continues, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. He will do this through the Son's incarnation and his ministry. Matthew 3.17 says, And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Christ consecrated his sufferings to the glory of the Father. Through Jesus, through God's plan of salvation in him, we come to know who God is. Colossians 1.19 says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. In verse 29, he continues, The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had uh, said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. So they hear this voice from heaven saying, uh, when Jesus says, Father, glorify your name, then a, a voice came from heaven in verse 28 that says, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. It says in 29, the crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Once again, and you see this all through the book of John, we see ears or we witness ears that cannot 
hear. They cannot respond or understand to what Christ is saying. They can't even understand when God's voice comes down from heaven. And what we see in the people that, uh, what we see here is obstinate rebellion. Those without eyes to see and ears to hear will explain away the voice and works of God with the most absurd explanations they can imagine. Surrounded by clear evidence of intelligent and elegant design throughout the universe, they place their faith in the ridiculous idea that creation happened by chance. So I'm taking that verse where they hear the voice of God saying, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. They do not want to admit it's God. So they say it's, it was thunder or it was an angel. But the point I'm trying to make here is we see that blindness and that deafness in those that reject God, reject Christ, reject the gospel. In the modern age, again, in where people are surrounded by clear evidence of intelligent and elegant design throughout the universe, and instead they place their faith in the ridiculous idea that creation just happened by chance. Think of the absurdity of that. John 10, 26 through 27 says, but you do not believe because you're not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Only those he came to save, his sheep, his children can hear, see and understand who he is and what he did for us. John 12, 30, Jesus answered, this voice come for your sake, not mine. Jesus did not need a sign. He knew who he is. He communes with the Father, and he and the Father are one. He says in John 10, 30, I and the, and the Father are one. Jesus's divinity is being so clearly shown through these portions of Scripture. The voice came for our sake that we may know that the Son is one with the Father, and we are saved by and may rest in him. We are reconciled to God in and through Christ. We are hidden in Christ. Colossians 3.3 3 says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. John 12.31 continues, now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. This was the turning point of history. The death of Christ was the judgment of this world. All are judged by their belief or disbelief in his death and resurrection. A judgment of condemnation against the powers of darkness. By the death of Christ, Satan was conquered. The King James Version calls Satan the prince of this world because he rules over those in the world by the things of the world. Christ conquered the power of death and cast out Satan as a destroyer. Christ conquered the power of sin and cast out Satan as a deceiver. John 12, 32 Jesus says, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He says, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth. John 13, 14 says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Numbers 21, 8 and 9 says, and the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole, and if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. This was a prefigure of Christ. We look to Christ, who was lifted up for our salvation, and we are protected from the bites of the serpent. It says he was lifted up 
The Greek word for that is huperupso, which means to elevate, exalt, lift up, to elevate above others. That is raised to the highest position, to highly exalt. Christ saw that his lifting up on the cross, what appeared to be to the world as humiliation and defeat, would in fact be an exaltation and an honor. It would be the ultimate victory. And Christ says, I will draw all people to myself. He says, all people, but not every person. This is where many people stumble in Christian doctrine. They believe that Christ suffered and died to pay for the sins of every human being that ever existed. The Bible nowhere teaches that. Revelation 5, 9 says, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you, tr you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. It does not say, And by your blood you ransomed people for God, um, every tribe and language and people and nation. It says, From every tribe, nation, people, and language. John 17, 9 and 10 says, I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And then John 6, 44 says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Now, Christ's atoning sacrifice, this is so important right here to consider this, when you're faced with that false teaching that Christ died on the cross to save, to pay for the sins of everyone who ever existed, for every human being throughout time. Think of this. Christ's atoning sacrifice was not a general take-it-or-leave-it proposition as it is so commonly presented. Every bit of his sufferings was for the sins of the elect saints he came to save. Consider this truth the next time you witness an altar call without the message of the gospel, and salvation is presented as depending on human choice and the recitation of a sinner's prayer rather than the powerful working of God through the leading of the Holy Spirit through the message of the gospel from the word of God. Think of what an insult it is to Christ to make that suffering, sacrifice on the cross, just a, a general offering. If you believe it, you're saved. It's up to you. That is not what it was about. John 12, 33, he continues. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. Death by crucifixion. He would be lifted up from the earth. 1234 continues. So the crowd answered him, we have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? So now the crowd who cannot understand who he is, ask him. They, they, they say the law teaches that Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? They think if he's going to die, he'll be dead. They use the phrase Son of Man, referring back to Jesus' proclamation in, in uh, verse 23 of the same chapter. John 12, 23, it says, And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Christian paradoxes cause unbelievers to stumble. The world cannot understand the victory of the cross. Life through death, surrender leading to victory, humility leading to glory etc. That's why they could not understand and still don't understand
Christ's parables. They reference that the scriptures state that the Messiah will abide forever, but make no mention of the scriptures that speak of the Messiah's suffering and death. Isaiah 53, 5 says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Isaiah 53, 12 says, Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Psalm 22, 16 says, For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. They paid no attention to those prophecies. John 12, 35 says, So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. Jesus is the light. John 1, 4, and then 5, uh, 1, 4 through 5 and verse 9 says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. John 8, 12 says, again, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Outside of the light of Christ is only darkness and wandering. 1 John 1, 5 through 7 says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. Only those in Christ truly know who they are, whose they are, why they are, where they are, when they are, and where they are going. John 14, 6 tells us, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. We know who we are. We are believers. We know whose they are. We belong to Christ. We know why we are. We exist to glorify him. We know where we are. We are at this point in history awaiting what we are promised. That's where our hope resides. We know when we are. Again, at this point in history, we see where we're at in the timeline of Christ as the center of history, and we know where we are going. John 12, 36 says, while you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Acknowledging is not believing. Believing in the light in Jesus Christ is dying to all that a sinner was in order to be alive as a new creation in Jesus Christ. Matthew 4, 17 says, from that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, die to your old self and become a new creation in Jesus Christ. When the light of the gospel shines in your heart, grab hold of Jesus, go to him at the cross, follow him. Matthew 13, 44 says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has 
and buys that field. Nothing is worth more than our relationship with Jesus Christ. Those that scorn, ridicule, and reject him and his gospel soon find that he has gone away and hid himself from them. But there will come a day when they will see him again. They will bow before him. They will profess that he is the son of God. He is Lord. And they will then know that it is too late because in not believing in the light, they are not sons of light. And they will be cast into eternal darkness away from the light of Christ. Philippians 2, 9 through 11 says, For this reason also God highly, highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the, Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Will you believe in the light while you have the light? That's the question you have to ask yourself. Do not miss the opportunity. When the light shines on you. You hear that gospel message. The most important thing in your life is how you respond to it. Will you believe in the light while you have the light? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word today. Uh, I ask that you would do a mighty work through it, that you would touch the hearts of everyone that hears it, and that your name would be glorified. Uh, please watch over us in the coming week. Open doors of opportunity for the gospel, and we may serve you completely in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if you guys could consider visiting uh, elephantwalk.net, I still plan to put our new product line up soon to the website. I just haven't had time. If you visit the site and you like something, decide to make a purchase, just type the way, all lowercase, no spaces. You'll receive 10% uh, off at checkout. If you would like to check out the website for the ministry, just go to the way, the letter R122.org. You can subscribe to the podcast by going to christianpodcastcommunity.org. Just search for the way radio in the search field. You can find us on Rumble at The Way R122. And again, please consider supporting the ministry if you have the means to do so. Uh, we very much need all the support we can get. I have a lot of new projects I'm working on that I'm really excited about. I'm trying to send material to Kenya. Um, and uh, I'm really feeling inspired by the Holy Spirit uh, to provide something that will help all the people that are contacting me that are either suffering with addiction and understand the heresy of AA and CR and all the other 12-step programs. Most churches have no understanding of how to deal with the sin of uh, alcoholism and addiction, which sadly they should. Uh, but I just have got years of research and writing that the Lord has finally really given me direction and focus on that I've been praying for for so long uh, to put something out that will really, uh, I believe, help people um, not only to overcome those things, but to help the people that are. So if you could pray about that, and if you'd like to get behind that effort and partner with me in that work, I would just be more than grateful and it would be an it would be it would glorify God to do so and you can donate by going to the way the letter r122.org all right we will be back here next time next week uh, god willing same time same place god bless you guys have a great day <laughs>